Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Welcome to NBA Today with Malika Andrews, live from Los Angeles. Coming up on NBA Today, so much to break down from the Celtics-Lakers thriller. I mean, we had officials, cameras, techs, overtime. We had it all. Plus, speaking of had it all, Joel Embiid, he threw the kitchen sink at the Joker. Tristan Thompson on what he noticed about a motivated Joel. And, I mean, Giannis says anything you can do, I can do better, right? Will his Sunday 50-piece help his MVP chances? All that and more. NBA Today starts right now. Welcome to NBA Today. I'm Malika Andrews. What a weekend it was across the NBA. And as we look to flip the calendar to February, we are on the precipice of history here. LeBron James, he's only 117 points away from breaking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's all-time scoring record. Now, the Lakers, they are in action tonight against Brooklyn, but LeBron, he's not going to play. The team says he has a left ankle soreness. Anthony Davis, he is also going to be out with right stress injury in his foot. So that means he's managing that injury. The next time we're going to see LeBron, it's on the court tomorrow against the Knicks at Madison Square Garden. So all signs, they point to him passing Kareem maybe Tuesday against the Thunder, Thursday against the Bucks. You can see his numbers on your screen there. Here's a look at the odds for when he's going to break that scoring record. This is according to Caesar Sportsbook. Two-point field goal. <laughs> All right, three-pointer, free throw, those are the odds on your screen. But I care more about what our crew thinks. So here with the full panel, Ramona Shelburne, Tristan Thompson back with us. Kendrick Perkins is joining as well as Mark Spears. So all of you, you've either played against or covered LeBron his entire career. So you all have firsthand knowledge of his play, what he's like. I want to know when you all think maybe he's going to break the record or how you were looking at this. Tristan, I'm going to start with you here. I think it's against the Bucks. I think oh, it's going okay. to be a, a left-wing three. I think uh, <laughs> it's only right. When he came into the league, everyone says, you know, he couldn't shoot. So why not beat Kareem with a, with a three-point shot? Yeah. A ball sandwich. I love it. Well, what stands out to you when you're looking at this, this moment in general? You know LeBron so very well. Yeah, no, for this moment, I, I, I take it back where even where I can relate to. I remember uh, my rookie year being hurt, and I think the word is dedication. Mm. When I was hurt, I was in the weight room going to get treatment, and LeBron's in the weight room with Mike Mancias three hours before the game. And he said, uh, little bro, you know, the weight room is going to prevent you from getting injuries, but it's going to give you longevity in the league and to play at a high level. And I remember the day he told me that I went on and played five years straight because I always remember back in my head is that the best player in the world is telling me the weight room and getting the extra work in and the dedication to the game is mm. what's going to give you that longevity. So it worked out for me, and I think during this whole moment, he's going to think about all those nights, all those times where he, I remember even when he came to Cleveland, he texted me and Kyrie the day after Labor Day saying, hey, we got to be in the weight room 9 a.m. Yeah. And, and the fact that, you know, the best player in the world is texting me and Kyrie and we only won, what, 27 games that year. Yeah. You know, like it's time to get to work. Mm. It's a championship or bust. Yep. And, and having the best player in the world reach out to us as young guys and, and that dedicated to the craft, is, it, it's, it's a testament of what you put in this game is what you get out. Mm. And it's showing right here at, at 38. He's, he's still playing at a high level and, and it's like a point guard. You know, yeah. usually guys in their 30s and 38, they go from being a, a wing to being a backup five. 
Not him. Well, not him. Ni- neither LeBron or Kareem is known as a dominant scorer, and yet they will be going down as the all-time leading scorers. Yep. Like, LeBron is a pass-first player. Yeah. LeBron makes the right play. He just happens to be on the verge of breaking Kareem's all-time scoring record because he's played so well for so long, mm. which is also how Kareem got there. Kareem broke Wilt Chamberlain's record when he became the all-time leading scorer. And Kareem, you know, when he got it, when he was age 38, the Lakers were still in it. They were still competing for championships. He was Finals MVP coming yep. off that final that, that season. But he was doing yoga. He was in the doing all the me- meditation, getting to bed early, all the stuff that we that talk about now, like in. We live in L.A., right? Everybody's right. doing yoga. Everybody's doing hot yoga in the Bikram. Kareem was doing that in the 70s and 80s, and that's how he played that long. And I had a conversation with Pat Riley, who coached Kareem during those Showtime Laker era and also obviously has a long relationship with LeBron as well. And he said, you know, I always thought of Kareem as the greatest of all time because of how good he was for that long. And this really is a record of longevity for both Kareem and LeBron mm. to be this good, this late into your career. That's yep. how you score this many points. Longevity. You're using a word of the day, determination. If we're using words of the day, we have to bring in Kendrick Perkins. That's your thing. Perk, how are you yep. looking at all this? Well, you know, it's personal for me, right? When I think about Braun and I think about myself, I've been part of this journey. And I know that people say cap and no cap. Well, this is no cap. And I go all the way back to the age of 14 years of age where I was playing in a, in a bowl. Well, oh, oh, hold on. This is Mickey D's class right here, me and Braun. Hold on. We moved it fast. But oh, get buckets real quick. Ah, King James in the building. We was in, look, we was in the arena getting work together. You know what I mean? That's how far we go back. But seriously, though, I go back to the point where it was Houston Hoops, Kendrick Perkins, Andy Eby against LeBron James, Drew, Romeo, of the Ohio shooting stars to playing together on the Oakland Soldiers when we were 16 years of age. Me, LeBron James, and Leon Poe. Uh, in between games having conversations while we're eating while we're eating McDonald's he's eating fruit drinking water going to media training like he knew he was destined or it was destined for him to be to what we're talking about him right now as being the all-time leading scorer in NBA history is crazy to me and when I look at LeBron's journey and I look at what he's done and how he's prepared himself He knew that he was destined for greatness. He knew that he was going to be one of the greatest of all times. And to take care of his body, to take care of his mental, to make sure that his off-the-court habits as far as being a professional was able to withstand is a beautiful thing to see. And the last point I'm going to say is, is this. Think about this for a second. What else can we really, really say? What can we say? Can we bring him up in a GOAT conversation? Because LeBron could have retired three years ago. LeBron could have retired three years ago when he won a championship with the Lakers and nobody would have said a damn word. But he's still going to this day. Mm. What is left for him to achieve after he win this scoring title? Like, what else? What else? What can we say? I mean, he's certainly in the conversation, right, for all-time great. And this feat that he is about to accomplish, it was one of those records where you thought, I I don't know if this is ever going to fall. Uh, Mr. Spears, we can't talk about LeBron and not revisit what went down this weekend. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Three seconds left in regulations. James goes up for a potential game-winning layup. I mean, he's clearly fouled by Jason Tatum, but the officials didn't call it. The Celtics went on to win in overtime. LeBron was, I mean, a little less than pleased afterwards. You can see his body language here. Take a listen to LeBron James. 
I mean, you guys seen some of the games that we've lost this year with late game missed calls. We had an opportunity to literally, you know, win the game. I mean, that's, you know, I had this second one in the last few weeks for myself. We don't have room for error. And um, it's one of the best games we played all year. And, and for it to fall on somebody else's, uh, for someone to fall on somebody else's judgment or non judgment is just. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's unacceptable, and I guarantee nothing's going to happen to the refs. We, we got cheated tonight, honestly. So Blake Powell had that all ball on, on, on uh, Brown, Jalen Brown, call a foul, and Brown just smacked across his arm. It's unacceptable, to be honest. The refs are bad. They're bad tonight. Did you think you made contact with him? Uh, the last two minutes of overtime, it was a blur. <laughs> I don't, I don't really know what happened. Um, I gotta watch the game, watch the film, because everything was just happening so fast. That's all I got to say about that. I think the smile also says a lot. Uh, the official NBA referee account tweeted late last night, like everyone else, referees make yeah. mistakes. We made one at the end of Saturday's game, and that is gut-wrenching for us. This play will weigh heavily and cause sleepless nights as we strive to be the best referees that we can be. So the back and forth, though, it didn't end on Saturday night because LeBron took to Instagram yesterday, posted on his stories, good block Jason Tatum, clearly highlighting that he's a... Uh, grabbing on to his arm there. Tatum responded, last night was a blur. Good game, champ. And then the cherry on top of all of that was that Patrick Beverly, he had his little moment where he borrowed a courtside photographer's <laughs> camera. I've never seen this before to show referee Eric Lewis that Tatum had in <laughs> fact fouled LeBron. I kind of love it, but Beverly was immediately issued a technical foul. So we're not here to debate whether or not that was a foul. I think we can all agree foul. that yes. that was absolutely a foul. So Mark Spears, of all of that hullabaloo, what stands out to you the most? Oh, the camera thing. That's new. I, you know, I've been covering the <laughs> NBA for 24 years now. I've never, never seen that. So certainly that was quite impressive. But... Um, I think the thing that's important for me in terms of LeBron right now is at his age at 38 years old, you know, Kareem at 38 was averaging, you know, 23 points a game during the 1985-86 season. And then after that, Kareem started to climb. Um, I, I remember seeing Kareem on April 8th, 1989. Uh, during his final NBA season, he played at Golden State, and they gave him a boat. And I was really excited about them gave him, giving him this 24-foot boat. But at 41 years old at the time, Kareem was declining. He had like eight points and two rebounds and retired that season. Yes. But based on the way I see LeBron James right now, based on the way he's playing at a high level, scoring 30-plus a game, I don't see anything that suggests that he's going to digress by the time he gets to the age when mm. Kareem retired. Certainly. And uh, I remember asking him a couple years ago about his his ability to stay healthy and, and play at a high level, and he just smiled, and he didn't want to give any information about his secret sauce to staying so healthy. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. LeBron's play has been incredible, but 
I'm, I'm sorry, I'm still focused in on the camera yeah. coming out, the entire <laughs> sequence at the end of that. And I, I absolutely understand, referees make mistakes. We're not here to argue yep. that. But Tristan, when you were in that moment, your face is telling me everything right this now. Is, this, is, this is ridiculous. This is, it, it's, I, I've had so much of an issue with this. Like, when players make mistakes, we get fined. Mm -hmm. It's public knowledge. When coaches get in trouble, fine, public knowledge. With the referees, I know the NBA, you know, keeps a report card or a check sheet of when refs make mistakes and yeah. everyone's held accountable. But for me as a player and a lot of players that I even talk to after the game, we're frustrated the fact that every year beginning of the season they talk about we're going to hold the referees accountable, they're going to be docked if things are going wrong, but we don't see that. We don't see it. Uh, the, P the PA, I talked to Harrison Barnes today, he said the PA doesn't get a report. We, we, we got to do a better job at at holding these these refs to high standard. I guess I, I understand they're humans. I, I get people make mistakes, but this has happened so many times. Against Golden State, game one, when we were in the finals, LeBron takes the charge, they go to review center, they change it to a block, and it's not even under two minutes. It's like three minutes left in the game. They change that call, and then which leads to the free throw and, and everything, with, and we lose the game. But stuff like that, it, 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 it's so frustrating because this has happened so much to LeBron, and it shows the clip right here. We're, 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 we have them against the wall. We're going on a run, and this changes the whole game. Yeah. This is the frustration, and I see the hurt in my brother's eyes because I know how much he dedicates it to the game. Mm. And, and these things can't happen because this, could, this, is, this doesn't just affect the Lakers. This affects the whole league. Right. You know the standings, and and we got to do a better job. We got to do a better job cleaning this up, and 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 fixing this because this is this is ruining the league, and this might be a make or break game for the Lakers when they can't get back. Yeah, Perk, last word on this. Well, well, one, I remember being in the finals facing LeBron, and I remember Kevin Durant getting fouled too when we was at home. But that's another story. But here's the thing I want to say, right? I understand it was a foul, but you never leave it in the officials' hands. And for a veteran group like the Lakers, we're looking at LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Russell Westbrook, Patrick Beverly, like just those four guys alone are true vets. And they had five more minutes of basketball to play. It was still an overtime. Like this wasn't the end of the world. And so what happened was they were so caught up in this, like they were a young ball club, that they forgot that they still had another opportunity to actually go win the game, which the Celtics capitalized on it because they were still around pouting Pat Bev doing his thing for us with the cameras that they forgot we still got five minutes. We got a, another opportunity. Forget the call. It happens all the time. Mm. Like, you still had a chance to go win the game. Sure. Period. I, I just think that this one was just so egregious that that's yep. where people start to kind of think about these things. And we, what you're saying, Tristan, we, we know that referees, points go against them, whether or not they can call games in the finals, things like that. But it's that transparency that you want to see. You want to know when those things are happening. Uh, okay, we still have a lot to get you on this show. Ramona, you told us last week that Joel Embiid, it was his Super Bowl, this matchup against the Joker. So how he delivered on that front in spades. You called that one. Uh, plus, from spades to diamonds in the rough. As clubs scavenge for trade pieces, see what I did there, are Insiders, they uh, weigh in on players to keep an eye on with the trade deadline looming. And we just saw it. Patrick Beverly, he plays with heart. <laughs> Some might say too much heart sometimes. So we have the best technical foul moments in NBA history. We roll on after this. Now let's talk about the play of the week. 
the pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavily on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Onyejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liquor, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. A game featuring the best bigs alive. Embiid has since the opening tap today. Been absolutely beautiful to watch. Oh, Embiid goes right around Jokic and then smashes the rim. Let's keep offending Joel by not putting him on the all-star starters. Here's Embiid, wants to take Jokic. Step back three, hit it! 47 for Joel. The man has put on a primetime show here today. So Jokic edged out Embiid for MVP the last two years, but on Saturday, Embiid, he dominated on the court. He doubled up Jokic in rebounds, and he nearly did that in points as well, scoring more points with Jokic as his primary defender than the Nuggets star did total. And Ramona Shepard, you tried to warn us. You tried to tell us, oh, this is Joel Embiid's Super Bowl, and I guess he (laughs) deserves the Lombardi trophy after he played. What did he say after that matchup? You know what? He's taking a new tactic, Malika. Mm. He, he, he's tired of telling everybody all the disrespect is going to stop at some point. He just says, I love playing Jokic. I love Jokic. Like, he actually does. He really does love yeah. his game. He loves, But he loves these great individual matchups. He's not tweeting about it anymore. But he did say something. Like, the, the, he feels that disrespect. And at some point, it will stop. But he said, I'm used to it. Mm. I'm used to it. And this is like the new rhetoric coming from Joel Embiid. Of, you know, at first, he would complain about it. At yep. first, he would say, like, you know, come on, I should be in the all-star team or whatever it is. Now, it, now it's just let his game speak for itself. But yep. that was the only way he can prove that he's the MVP is head-to-head against the other guys who are up for MVP. Mm. So that's Jokic, that's Giannis, that's Luka. These are the games that he gets up for. And, I, and you know, he tried to give a little... Well, warning there the other last week. A little something. This something. is this is that was the big one. The yeah. head-to-head against Nikola Jokic. This is these are the two guys that are going to be in that MVP discussion every single year. And point made. I mean, you even saw the step back James Harden three at the I end. Know. It was so good. And this Feel is what lot. fans love. Yeah. Like we want to see these types of matchups. And when Joel Embiid takes it personally, yeah. and then goes out and has a performance like that. Ooh, buddy, we better watch out. Ramona Shelburne, thank you so very much. Our very own Tristan Thompson, he went head-to-head with Joel Embiid ten times. And your team, they actually got four wins, but you have that personal experience. What did you see in this game? No, he set the tone early, and uh, let's look at the film. All right. Break everything down because let's, let's get right to it. This is Ooh. mindset. Pick and roll. Set the tone. Byron Scott told me my rookie season. Set the tone, young fella. Set the tone early. Make sure they know you're here in your presence. Catch the ball. You know, Jokic, defense is not the, you know, the top of his priority. He's locked in, and B said, you know, I'm attacking you. Draw the foul, and one. Mm. Remember, this is a seven-foot big. 
gets to the line 11 times a game. Mm. Those are ridiculous numbers. Those are guard numbers. And you know what? He knows I'm going to attack you. I'm fighting for this MVP. Right. Okay, fourth quarter. We call it money time. Crunch time, <laughs> money time, however you want to call it. Defense leads to offense. Yes. Defense wins the championships. Yes. Offense sells tickets. He's in a deep drop. That. Contest. Block Jamal Murray. Now let's go on offense. Yep, let's push it. Remind you, he's at 40 at this point. He's rolling. He's cooking. He's in the blender. Come on, Jokic. You got to step up. You got to make him go make a, another direction, make another play. He's, he's rolling right now. Yeah. Soft touch. Come on now. This is this a fight for the MVP. And right now, as of today, Joel Embiid, MVP. Ooh, Joel Embiid, the MVP. I mean, it feels like when he's cooking like that, you got to put a man like on him the minute he's crossing half court. You can't just wait and chill because he's going for you. He was gunning for Jokic every single time. So, so time. let me make sure I got this right just to recap, to reiterate. Joel Embiid finishes Sunday with a monster 47 points, a masterpiece, fair to say, right? Masterpiece. Masterpiece. Picasso. But you know, if, if that's a Picasso, then you know that Giannis Attentacumpo, he had to have something to hang in the Louvre. He said, welcome to the freak show. Let's show you what we mean, because it was another 50-burger for Giannis. And at this point, it just, it almost feels like we're numb. Put him in a rim. To that. Put him in a rim. Woo! That is as Richard Jefferson would say, whose baby is that? Giannis almost loses it there. Oh, my goodness. The footwork, Tristan. What stands out to you the most about him? Catching at the elbow, taking his time, and reading what the defense is giving him. That, that, get that little baby out the street. He's too little. You got to get a bigger <laughs> body on him. Send two. Send a fire. Send a trap. I mean, he's letting the people know with that stare down there, too. Then taking it coast to coast here. I mean, what's, what are they doing, Ramona? You really cannot stop him. You only, when he's playing this well, look at the Euro step, but also finishing with both hands that we did. He palmed the ball with his left hand yeah. from the ground, pick it up, and then go do all that. Right. I mean. <laughs> Finish with contact, strong, knock his free throws Basically down. ambidextrous at this point. And we're accustomed to seeing him do that in the paint. But then, when he starts hitting three pointers in a game. That's like a Dame Lillard three. That's a deep three, too. Giannis, he would have the three and then the mean mug. Get a little bit of a shower afterwards. The Bucks win 135-110. Giannis has 50-13 in 30 minutes. Ooh. You saw the three pointers, but you can see here he did most of his damage in the paint. Yeah, but I like I like the fact that he's shooting those threes. You know, in the playoffs, teams are gonna back off on him. Yeah, he's got to be confident to take those threes. So if his percentages are down, his numbers are down, that that's fine. But you got to get him up there. Let it fly. Well, he had 30 of his 50 points in the paint. Tenth time in his career. Only Shaq has scored more 30 balls in the paint more often in the play-by-play -play era. Oh. So when you're in a conversation with Shaq, whew. Uh, for the last word on Giannis, we'll go to the man. <laughs> you're full of words, Perk. Yeah. What word of the day do you have to describe that spicy 50 piece? <laughs> well, you know it's Monday, so I had all weekend to dive into my vocabulary. <laughs> and the word to describe Giannis Antetokounmpo performance is semi-centennial. Okay, semi-centennial. Huh? And let me explain to you what this word means. It's really a, a celebration of a 50th anniversary, right? Like a 50th anniversary of mm -hmm. celebration. Now, how does this relate to Giannis? I know it's not an anniversary, but guess what? Down there in New Orleans, baby, they cook fried catfish. They cook fried gator. Well, guess what Giannis bought to the menu? He bought a 40-piece 
fried pelican legs, 50-piece fried pelican legs. And this is exactly what happened. He dominated in great fashion. You talk about the most dominant player in the world. Check it out right here. You talk about the league leader in point banks. This is why he's never selling. You talk about the best player in the world. This is who he is. Giannis Antetokounmpo, a 50-piece pelican legs, fried down there for them New Orleans people, baby. And Giannis did it in great fashion. <laughs> Following up off a 41-piece uh, wing dinner the game before. This is what he do. Mm, this is what he does. But even after dropping 50, he yeah. sits in fifth in Caesar Sportsbook MVP mm. odds. 16 to 1 behind the odds on favorite. Nikola Jokic, Embiid, Doncic, and Tatum. Still to come on NBA Today. A week from Thursday, that's the NBA trade deadline. So which of the faces you see here might be on the move? That's coming up right here on NBA Today. Don't go anywhere. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Welcome back to NBA Today. The trade deadline is 10 days away, and NBA Today will have five straight hours of coverage on February 9th, taking you right up to and across that deadline. But in the meantime, the trade market, it continues to heat up. Over the weekend, Adrian Wojnarowski reported the Pacers and Miles Turner have reached a two-year, $60 million extension, and Turner was in the final year of his deal and was considered a major trade target. Turner's having a career year. Highs in several categories. You can see the numbers and the specifics on your screen there. Excellent year for him. And we are now joined by Adrian Wojnarowski as well as Bobby Marks. And Woj, this was a little bit of a surprise because back in October, you interviewed Miles Turner on the Woj pod and he was talking about potentially being traded to the Lakers. So how did this extension come about? Malika, just the early season success in Indiana and the sense that, I think for the Pacers, this was not a teardown anymore, that they could build around uh, especially Tyrese Halliburton uh, at point guard. And you saw the uh, impact Ben Matherin had, their number one pick this season. And Miles Turner's 26 years old, and it was having his best season. And until Halliburton got injured, you know, this was a team very much in the thick of it in the East. And the conversation changed between the Pacers and Miles Turner uh, about moving forward together. And they got there on a number on that two-year, about $60 million extension with the renegotiation to add salary this season. And now you've got a core in Indiana that 
the Pacers believe can be competitive in the East. Draft picks available. Uh, perhaps some other young players who might interest some teams around the league to do maybe another big trade, another front court player, whether it's at the trade deadline or this summer. Uh, but this is a team, uh, you just saw the chemistry with Halliburton, Miles Turner, and so they move forward together uh, with an extension. Mm, that chemistry was certainly evident. Bobby, just to be clear, does this move take Turner off the table in terms of a trade this season? Well, Malika, he is still trade eligible because the extension part of it doesn't violate the extension restriction, which is six months. But here's the big but. There's never been a player who has renegotiated his contract and then automatically been traded 10 days later. And I think if there was ever a situation, I I think certainly it would raise a red flag at the league office regarding salary cap circumvention that this is kind of a um, a deal to move him you know in, in the future here so I would think that Turner will be on a, on the Pacers roster once we get past the February 9th deadline what what helps is that there is no six-month restriction so instead in waiting till maybe August if there's a Turner deal the Pacers can move him in June or July if there's a, a, a situation that arises. Very interesting. All right, so let, let's go a little bit more big picture here on the trade deadline. Woj, what's the current temperature of the trade market? We're 10 days out at this point. Malik, I, I think it's still pretty slow. And there are a lot of teams this week, uh, just uh, you know, certainly a lot of conversation, but not a sense uh, teams are, are really ready uh, like happens almost every year, uh, there's a couple deals early, and then things really get serious next week, and they get more serious within 24, 48 hours of the deadline. I think a couple things slowing things up this year. Look at look in the Western Conference between fourth place and eleventh place. It's two games. It's two games in the standings. Teams have not made decisions about whether they're buyers, whether they're sellers. They want to get through this week, see where they are in the standings. I also think. I think there's more of a reluctance than ever to put first-round picks in player for players. I think especially for guys who might be more of a rental. Uh, it's one thing if it's like hypothetically an OG Ananobi who's a young player uh, who you would who's under contract. Uh, but I think more veteran players like a Boyan Bogdanovich in Detroit. Uh, how much draft capital do you want to give up? And, and then teams who you would think would be sellers and already know they're not going to be the play and they're not going to be in the playoffs like Detroit. Uh, Utah certainly competing to be in the playoffs. Like Detroit's a good example of a team with Bogdanovich, with Alec Burks, who want to be good next season. They don't want to be in the lottery again for a fourth straight year. And if they move those players, you know, they can't replace them. Mm. And so when they get Cade Cunningham back in Detroit, uh, they, they would like to have Bogdanovich there playing with him next season. And I think that's barring somebody overwhelming them with an offer. And so I think teams who are talking to Detroit, who are talking to Utah, are saying the asking prices are really high. I think so right now. Uh, I think it's still somewhat of a slow walk to that February 9th trade deadline. And, and again, this is what the league wanted. They wanted the play-in tournament to make teams uh, uh, be more competitive, to hang in there and try to uh, not tank not uh, just uh, be in a situation where they don't play veteran players. And it is working for the league, but I do think at the detriment of getting a lot of action 
uh, with more sellers at the deadline. Very, very interesting. Woj, thank you. Bobby, stick with us because to Woj's point, when you look at those Western standings and everything is so close, the question is who's a contender? So with that in the background, give me a contender who needs to make a deal and that team that should stand still at the trade deadline. Yeah, I think Memphis, for me, as far as a team that should make a deal, and I, I'm looking at the Grizzlies more for the playoffs right now. I think, barring a disaster, Malika, this team is, is a likely top two seed in, in the Western Conference. Right. Now, do you have enough when we shorten that rotation, we get into the playoffs, and, I mean, you look at that Western Conference standings, I mean, you could be staring at Phoenix or Golden State in round one. Now, the, the, with Zach Kleiman, their GM, 11 out of the 15 players on this roster are homegrown. They do not like to move draft capital here, and they do have all their first-round picks as well as uh, a Golden State future first. So I'm looking at Memphis maybe just as tweaking that bench a little bit. And then the team, the Stan Pat, and I don't think I, we all would have said this a month ago, the Philadelphia 76ers. 21-4 and four in the last 25 games. They are getting separation from where, um, you know, certainly Milwaukee and Brooklyn and Cleveland. I think they are um, solid in that number two hole. I think they can compete with Boston to get out of this Eastern Conference. Uh, I think Doc Rivers should be talked about for for coach of the, of the year, putting Tyrese Maxey off the bench and having him come off in that sixth man role. And I think if there's a deal out there for the Sixers, I'm looking at it more financially. They're 1.2 million above the luxury tax. Can they move a player like Jaden Springer? And that would net about $17 million in tax distribution. But the Sixers, for me, I don't think they have to make a move at the deadline. Right. The 76ers, it feels more like, can they stay healthy and get enough games and chemistry under their belt? So then, Bobby, give me the biggest name, because we know this is a star-driven league, that you think could be moved by the deadline. Yeah, I have my eyes on Fred Van Vliet in mm. Toronto here. And the Raptors are out west right now. They're 2-1. A good win in uh, a good win in Portland, a good win in Sacramento here. But Van Vliet, he told our, our Tim Bontemps he is tabling extension discussions. Four years, $114 million, will likely become an unrestricted free agent. That doesn't mean Toronto has to go out and move him. But if they feel the cost, and what, what is the cost for Fred this offseason? Is it $30 million perhaps per year if the cost is rich? Do you make a deal when we get to next Thursday here? But here's another team that's right in the thick of it, trying to get into, into the play-in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what happens in the next week will probably you know, play a role what Toronto does. Yeah, absolutely. This road trip that they're on could be so very crucial, as our Adrian Wojnarowski said on this show a week ago, as to what they decide to do with their players as we march toward that deadline. Bobby, we will be seeing a whole lot of you on this show and others as we inch towards February 9th. Still to come today, though, on NBA Today, Patrick Beverly, he wasn't exactly the first player to get a tech for using a prop. We're going to take a trip down technical lane. Oh, that's going to cost a lot of money. Oh, man. Not the TV monitor. Not the TV monitor. Oh, no. Welcome back to NBA Today. Our Wednesday doubleheader features the Nets at the Celtics, followed by the Hawks and Suns. NBA Countdown gets it all started at 7 Eastern. Over the weekend, NBA teams held moments of silence in the wake of the killing of Tyree Nichols by Memphis police officers. And the sadness and the anger it was palpable around the league with several teams in the NBA issuing statements in support of the family. 
Nichols, 29, he was on his way home from taking photos of the sky. That was a hobby of his on January 7th when he was pulled over and brutally beaten and tased by five officers. Chilling body camera footage. It was released to the public on Friday night, one day after the officers were charged with second degree murder and other offenses. A sixth officer was relieved of duty on Monday. That's what a department spokesperson said. And John Morant was asked about Nichols on Friday. Here's what he said. Uh, this just got to stop. Um, obviously, you know, you, you hate to see it. Um, prayers, you know, uh, to his family. Um, it's just, you know, mind-blowing and, you know, scary, um, frustrating, you know. I'm a father, um, you know. Uh, I have to go home um, if I get pulled over, you know. Now, having to be, you know, scared to get pulled over, um, it's not supposed to happen. I have a lot of family in Memphis. Um, I consider that place to be uh, an area where I grew up became who I am as a man and as, as a father and and when you see you know senseless violence like that um, when you hear about it when you get to see it on a, a video it you know that could be any one of us it could be our children it could be you know somebody's father mother I never thought I'd see um, what I saw from uh, African-American policemen um, doing what they did to um, a young man who seemed defenseless and, and terrified out of his mind. And um, it just never registered that that could happen. But can we just respectfully just like cut this off? Because to talk about basketball right now, even though we have a game, like that's just ridiculous. Because that's what we do. We just go right to sports and think like, oh, this is like, no, nah, it's not. That's, that's not the deal. We got to stop doing that. That was John Morant on Sunday. Players, coaches over the weekend. Jaron Jackson Jr., he took to Twitter to say, to the Nichols family, my teammates and I have been paying attention. We're with you. To Memphis, we are hurting too. Peaceful protests, supporting the family, pushing for accountability are what's needed in this moment. And Suns guard Chris Paul tweeted, change is needed at all levels and we all need to do our part. We can't lose our humanity as a society. To the Nichols family and the Memphis community, my heart is with you tonight. Anscape's Mark Spears is back with us now. Mark, what was the reaction by the Grizzlies over the weekend following seeing that body camera footage? Yeah, ironically, uh, they were playing on Friday in uh, Minnesota, just down the street from where George Floyd uh, was killed by police. And they kind of monitored what was going on in Memphis. It was certainly very peaceful, thank God. And uh, they flew back that night, and last uh, Sunday night was their first game since the video came out. Uh, Taylor Jenkins said that he cried to head coach and it was emotional. It was beyond disturbing and it was an embarrassment for humanity. And I was hoping the Grizzlies can do this part, uh, their part of making it a healing process for the whole community. Uh, Jaron Jackson said it hits harder in Memphis, you know, feeling for the community. And there was also a moment of silence before they won against the Pacers. So um, the Grizzlies certainly are, are, are one with the community there. You also, Mark, sat down with C.J. McCollum on Saturday and talked about the Players Association response. What stood out to you about what he had to say? 
Yeah, CJ, as, as uh, the president of the Players Union, he had been meeting with the uh, Players Association, executive director Tamika Tremelio, and they, they came out with a release uh, that reflects the thoughts of all the players. And in the release, it said, uh, one of the main things it said is such aggressive policing of force illustrate continued need for accountability in the justice system. And then I also asked CJ in the diary we have in Anscape about how he's feeling about it. And he said, uh, you know, as an African-American man, this is happening far too often in, in our society. You know, unarmed black men and minorities are being targeted. And, and CJ also mentioned to me that while he was playing in Portland, there were several times uh, that he was actually pulled over by police and was very, very nervous about what potentially could happen to him. And despite his millions, despite his popularity, anytime he gets in a car and he's driving uh, in New Orleans today or wherever he is, he said he's still nervous that he could get pulled over and, and something horrible could happen to him. And I think that's the feeling of every black man and a, a lot of uh, people of color in this in this country. Yeah. Mark, um, thank you. It's it I don't know what to say. It's, it's maddening to continue to see black men's lives cut short at the hands of police and systemic change. It is needed now. NBA Today will be right back. Four point one seconds remains. Ace comes up top, gets it. James on the drive, gets in the paint, layup, missed it. Lakers furious. They thought it was foul. LeBron James so upset. And as the teams went to the benches and before overtime started, Patrick Beverly comes out of the floor to Eric Lewis with a camera. I mean, just ridiculous. No, it's not as ridiculous as bringing a camera on the court, but it's not far away. Welcome back, and uh, I think that was one of the most ridiculous technical foul moments we've ever seen, right? But let's, let's see a couple of others. Uh, we had our producers dig up some footage here. We're going to start with Rasheed Wallace. This is against the Lakers in 2000. He throws it down, watch this here, and then he gets his second technical, f I, I, this one, I, what are the refs, look? Uh, Perk, do you remember this? Uh, yes, and, and look, uh, this was just solely off of Rasheed's reputation, and Rasheed used to call the refs out by saying, ball don't lie, ball don't lie, and they getting their feelings. Like, at this point in time, you can't throw Sheed out for that, man. Like, come on, man, well, what are we talking about? I mean, if we're talking technical fouls, we have to talk about Dennis Rodman, right? 2000. He's trying to get oh, the refs yeah. to call a legal defense here. You, you know what I'm talking about, Tristan. Then he gets what? tossed. <laughs> like, this is... It's ridiculous. Like, <laughs> He's jumping up and down, hollering. Like, it, 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 wow. Happy. Yep, I'm sitting right in the paint. Hey, I mean, sometimes <laughs> you got to make a point. Sometimes you got to make yeah, a point. So get the jersey up. You get the jersey up. That's good. Yeah. Right. Well, and then we have Tim Hardaway Sr. Uh, watch the inbound pass here. Gets stolen. He thought he was fouled, though. He, Perk, would you ever um, oh. get so angry that maybe you would use a prop like this? Oh, that's what I'm talking. Look, if, if you get if you going out the game, you might as well make it worth it. They're right. gonna find you anyway. Might as well make hey. them have to buy some equipment. And then we got Mo Pete, 2006, messing around with our friend Vince Carter. I didn't know if you. <laughs> I watched this game as a kid. I remember watching this game, and I was mad. I was like, I was like, this is this is this is his first game back against the Raptors, and he's like, no, I was mad. I was like, 
Vince, I don't like you. Yeah, that, that was, that, I mean, if there was a, a camera on our set with all the, you know, the, the number of technical fouls handed out left, right, and center. Uh, Tim Duncan, this is 2007 in Dallas. I think he, he laughed maybe at a foul call, and then Joey Crawford saw that and has said, I've seen enough. I, I don't think of Tim Duncan as, as he's, a nice guy. he's a gentle giant. He's a gentle giant. No, he's just, and he's not, like, if you throw Tim Duncan out the game, and I love Joey Crawford, he was one, he was the best. He gave me a lot of takes as well. But you really have an emotional problem if you throw Timmy D out, okay? Well, you know that if we're talking text, we had to we had to bring some up with the two of you. You this was 2020. You get to the foul line, you make the first, and then you give Jay Crowder a good game. And then, what happened here? No, you know, with me and Jay Crowder, we were, we were you know. Going back at it, you know, we were teammates in Cleveland, so we were just talking a little smack, but I said, hey, good job, buddy. Good well, job. I made the free throw, too. And then there's the tech king himself, Kendrick Perkins, 2012. Dirk, remember, he hits a jumper, and then the next time down the floor, you let him have What did you say to him, Perk? I mean, look, so, so here's the thing, right? The little shove right there, it's like, First of all, this is the first round of the playoffs. I got to set the tone, and I got to go at the best player. I got to let them know I'm going to be here all series long. And then Rick Carlisle tried to come up, and I wanted to smoke with his old ass, too. It was all in smoke. It was about the action, and I used to zone out. And again, I shared this story with you once before, Malika mm -hmm. and Trisha. This was part of my recovery. As a person, that's why I went to, you know what I'm saying? Hey. <laughs> and we got my, I went and got help that was very, very needed. You Everyone know, deserves the down. chance to, to have a second mm -hmm. chance and to better mm -hmm. themselves. And as long as we can keep replaying yeah. the video, Perk, you know it's all love. NBA Today will be back in just 60 seconds. Make us call your cologne, Perk. Make us call your cologne, Perk. <laughs> Quick. Our next Saturday ABC primetime matchup is Mavs versus the Warriors at 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, and NBA Countdown gets it all started at 8 o'clock Eastern. So the Warriors, the Mavs, they should be a wild game on Saturday, but you know what else is wild? The Western Conference standings. Take a look here. Denver and Memphis, they have separated themselves from the rest of the pack, but then it gets real crowded real fast. The number four Clippers and the number 11 Thunder, they both have 25 losses and five through 10 scenes, they are separated by just one game in the standings. So this is where things get a little bit crazy here. Let's dive into some of those teams with a little game of who's going to the playoffs, who's going to the play-in, and who's going to be in what we like to call with the play-out. And we're going to start with the third-seeded Kings. They are closer to the 13th seeded Lakers than they are to the top seeded Nuggets. So, where do you have them? Play in, play off, play out. Playoffs, no play in, no play in. Mike All Brown's right. got a team rolling. Mike Brown's got the team rolling. All right, Perk, two games behind the Kings in the standings. They're the Timberwolves, five seed. Where do you see them? Play in, playoffs, play out. I got them I got them going to the play-in and getting into the playoffs because of Ant-Man. Anthony Edwards averaging a career high, should be an all-star, should be an all-star this year. And D-Lo's been balling. They got great continuity. I got them in the play-in to get into the playoffs. I like it. All right, let's go down to the eighth seed. The Pelicans have lost a league-high eight straight games. So where do you see them, Tristan? Playing, playing game. All right, playing game. Perk. Two teams fill in the play-in spots, according to Perk, according to you, according to Tristan. So let's turn our attention to teams trying to make their way into the top ten. Nobody in the West has a better record than OKC. Do you see them in the playoffs? 
Maybe, maybe Malika, not. Perk. I don't know what you just said because my, <laughs> uh, my ear just, my it's earpiece right. went out, but I'm going to just read the graphic and say the Thunder will be not in the play and they will be on the play out. But you see how good I am at television that I just piggyback and we just had it right there. Okay, cool. We'll try again. Swag